Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to a very exciting and, and, and really the first episode of the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show, formerly known as Warren Fantasy Sports Radio, as well as Draft Smashers Radio. Very excited. I'm your host, Anthony Aniano, joining you tonight and every Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio, the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show, obviously brought to you by the DynastySportsEmpire.com and the Fantasy Sports Podcast Association. Uh, thanks for listening. Very excited to be with you, like I said. Very excited also uh, for myself, Anthony, and you know, now a big part of rotoballer.com. And don't forget, you can hear me uh, later on tonight, 9.30 Eastern Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio, on Rotoballer Radio with my good fellow Raphael Rabe, uh, also on Twitter at Real Talk Raph. And uh, we'll be covering fantasy baseball tonight like we always do, Wednesday night at 9.30. Don't forget, you can follow me on Facebook, my name, Anthony Aniano. Follow me on Twitter at A Aniano Fantasy. That's at A Aniano A N I A N O Fantasy on Twitter. And uh, thanks for joining us here on the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show. Uh, same great content we always have. Just a new name um, for a whole litany of reasons. I'm not going to get into it, but uh, excited to have the show in my name. And uh, flying solo tonight. I have a couple of great guests lined up. Hopefully my normal co-host, Mr. Eric Corsini, who just had his uh, his first child, he should be back hopefully within a week or two. Uh, I know we've been missing him the last couple of weeks, but he should be back. He'll definitely be back during the summer run as we prepare for fantasy football. But uh, we got a lot going on tonight, and uh, we're going to start in a little bit. We have Corey Parson from Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, the Roto Experts show in the morning. If you listen to that great show, uh, Adam Ronis, Greg Sussman, Scott Angle, Corey Parson, the producer of the show. The, if you listen to them in the car or on your iPhone or on the computer, great show every morning they put on. Uh, Corey's a good friend of mine. He's going to be joining us. He's scheduled to join us in just a few minutes to talk a little fantasy football and in particular uh, the NFL draft and some rookies who could have an impact this year in your standard 12-team fantasy football league. Uh, joining us then at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock Eastern time, my old co-host, it's been a while since he's been on the show. Life's gotten a hold of him and twisted him up and spit him out, but uh, he has some time to join us tonight, and I'm excited to have him back, Mr. Paul Collins. He'll be joining us at about 8 o'clock or so. Uh, we're going to talk a little fantasy baseball with him. I've got some questions for him concerning his Cincinnati Reds, and then we're going to take a look at some two-start pitchers together uh, as well. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Corey, besides talking about the the NFL rookies, we're going to talk a little Tom Brady. And, and that's really where I want to start tonight, the Tom Brady saga. And, uh, and I'll be the first one to admit, I've had some fun with this uh, since this news broke, the deflated balls. I mean, the jokes just tell themselves, really. You don't even have to write them. But, uh, you know, he got suspended four games. And this past week, uh, a couple of days ago, I believe it was Monday night, I was on the Sirius XM Fantasy Drive with Kyle Elric and Ray Flowers, and this topic came up, and they asked me my thoughts on Tom Brady, and, and my from a fantasy perspective, 
And my thoughts really haven't changed even now having more time to think about it. You know, Tom Brady cheated. Uh, some people are trying to rate the level of cheating, and, and that's not for me to do, in my opinion. Cheating is cheating. Um, I'm, I'm having a good chuckle out of the Boston media trying to quantify the level of cheating. They're, uh, the Boston Herald today is claiming the NFL is going after them out of jealousy. Cheating is cheating. He was suspended, uh, and I think justifiably so. Now, there's going to appeal. I don't think he's going to serve four games. I think that'll come down. There are reports that the whole thing's going to get overturned. But you, know, you cheated the game. And uh, to continue this conversation, uh, my good friend, Corey Parson, uh, on Twitter, you can follow him, at the Fantasy Exec. Corey, it's Anthony Aniano here. How you doing, my friend? What's going on, Anthony? How's everything going tonight? Let me tell you what, before we get into the Pats talk, you know, I got my little DFS sweat going, so I'm patiently waiting for Matt Harvey to take the mound. I don't know what's wrong with me putting my money on a net. Corey, you are seeing the light, my friend. I'm excited to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, I tell you what, Matt Harvey is a phenomenal player, the best ball player in the city. So that's a player I can get behind. The rest of the blue and orange, I leave that to the well, listen, delusional fan I, base. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tip your cap, though. I have to tip my cap to your Yankees. You may actually have an ace yourself developing in uh, Michael Pineda, 16 strikeouts his last time out. You know, granted, you always fear that shoulder on him, but yeah, he's surpassing Tanaka as the number one guy there in the Bronx. He's doing an excellent job right now. Of course, you know, I'm not the big fantasy baseball guy, but I can put a couple sentences together from the things I've heard. And basically what it is is, you know, he's never thrown – I can't I don't, I can't quote the exact number – but not a good amount of innings before. And we had Will Carroll on the program, the Royal Directors in the morning, maybe about two or three weeks ago, the, uh, the injury expert, you know, and the guy from FanDuel now. Mm-hmm. And he more or less said that the capsule problem that Miguel, that Michael Pineda has is something that's, for the most part, is always going to flare up from time to time throughout the course of the season. So I don't know if actually this guy is the time to sell on Pineda. I mean, his value is not going to get higher than it is right now. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, he's pitch lights out, but the the – the fear of that, that shoulder coming back, it does scare me. And you're, I would agree with you. I would sell high while, while you can, that's for sure. But I'm glad you're jumping on, at least for tonight, jumping on the Met train. Uh, I take that as a small victory, my friend, after all our banter. I'll take that as a small little victory, and I put no a smile on my face, that's for sure. <laughs> but, Corey, let's get, let's get to what I wanted to talk to you about, being the, the football expert. Uh, that I view you as, and, and I think that you are. Um, the other day I was driving in the morning, I was listening to you in, on the morning, and you went on a, a epic rant about the whole Tom Brady fiasco. And I couldn't have agreed more. But, um, you know, now reports I'm hearing just today is they, that whole suspension is going to get overturned. So it's a two-part question. Your thoughts on the Brady suspension, and I know you think it was justified, but then to to back up on that, from a fantasy perspective, what do you do with Tom Brady in your view? He's, he's Tom Brady. Is, okay, let me let me start with the with the thing at first. The, the crime against the game is what it is is important here. The failure to cooperate with the procedure, didn't want to turn over the telephone to see the text messages lying from the beginning, more or less throwing the ball boys under the bus, the equipment guys, the guys that need that gig more than anybody else. Had to salute the star mm-hmm. celebrity quarterback. 
just the way he went about the whole thing. It's a, I don't want to say it's a black eye to his legacy. I'm not going to go that far. I still have one of the top quarterbacks ever lace him up in the NFL, but there's a culture of cheating around the New England Patriots, and in, in the NFL, needs to seriously address it and handle it. And as far as the fines and the suspension goes, to always turn it now would just be ridiculous. I think that's please don't back down to these New England Patriots and their and, and their and their um delusional fans. As a matter of fact, they're still woe is us. They don't like us because of our success fans. Go back down to these mm-hmm. guys. So the thing about the, the whole situation is what I find so troubling is, you know, the way people bring old personal off the field misconduct. Oh, well, look at Ray Rice and look at this guy and look at that guy. No, look at your superstar celebrity cornerback that cheated of the game. The integrity of the game is very important. That's why we play fantasy. That's why we do all the things we do. That's why we love the NFL because you feel like there's some security. This is real. There's no cheating involved. And the Patriots always seem to wink at that thing and, and, and they go on and win the Super Bowl. Of course, they still would have won that game anyway. But just the fact that they're doing this, he deserves a suspension. I thought it should have been six games taken down to four. To go from four to zero or to go from four to two, I think the NFL would be dropping the ball on this big time. A slap on the wrist for a guy who cheated and then didn't work with NFL on the investigation. As far as the fantasy implication goes, Brady is not really a guy that's ever on any of my teams. I kind of wait on my quarterback if I do like a quarterback early, which I do like early quarterbacks this year. I think I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um, Yeah, he's not really gotten to my board. I understand what he can do, but you can get – Guys later, you can get guys in the same around the same time that Brady goes. Guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, you know, quarterbacks like that. Of course, I like the guys up top, Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. But where it really hurts is not really hurts, but interesting to see how Rod Gronkowski gets off to the start. To, uh, what kind of start Gronk gets off of this season? I had him as a top five guy for 2012 in PPR league going into the season. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think I dropped him down to 112, 111. A guy you can get on the turn. Yeah, yeah, I I would have him end of the first, maybe into the second round. I'm not a big believer in a tight end in the first round anyway. I think it leaves you a little uh, lacking depth maybe potentially in some other positions. You know what I noticed this year from, you know, this is ridiculous, it was May 14th and I've already done 10 drafts. What I'm noticing is running back is top heavy with the three down backs to catch pass and score touchdowns. Few of them out there. Wide receiver Mm -hmm. is extremely deep. And you have a lot yeah. of these running back by committee that, you know, when you look for your RB2, you can get these guys much, much later rounds. You're drafting starters in round seven, eight, and nine with these with these British running back by committee. But with tight end, it's one guy clear cut above the rest that gives you an advantage each and every week, and that's Rob Gronkowski. And that's what I like about him. I'm not a tight end early guy either, but every other position is so deep that why not go for Gronk early in your draft? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see that end of the first, beginning of the second. You're right. There's so many wide receivers out there. And after those top three or four running backs, to me, all the running backs really are the same uh, in their platoon splits. That, you know, Gronk and then Jimmy Graham. And you don't even know how Jimmy Graham's going to shake out this year now playing for Seattle. You expect him to be the number one option there. But, you know, Russell Martin likes to run the ball. You still got Marshall and Lynch there. It's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy Graham, uh, his role develops now playing for Seattle. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Gronk is the clear-cut number one tight end. There's nobody even, I think, close to him this year. And uh, and I don't think his stats are going to suffer with Garoppolo. I really don't. Uh, you know, small maybe decline. But overall, I don't think it's going to be anything noticeable, especially if that suspension only ends up being two games. 
uh, after the appeal. Yeah, I agree with you. He's a, he's a matchup problem for the most part, no matter who the quarterback is. Buffalo could have a chance, but he would come in there and he would focus on Rob Gronkowski because of the talent that he is. A guy like that is real as a safety blanket for for, for young trying to get in there and carry the Super Bowl champions while, they, while the celebrity quarterback is out because he lied and cheated. <laughs> All right, Corey, let's take a look, right? The NFL draft, a couple of weeks now, it's kind of the dust is starting to settle on it. And you mentioned the running back position, and that's that's where I wanted to go. For the first time in a few years, you saw two running backs go in the first round, right? You saw Gordon at number 15 go out of Wisconsin to the Chargers, Gurley at number 10 out of Georgia to the Rams. Uh, am I crazy in thinking in this year's draft, even though Gurley was the first running back taken, Gordon's the guy who's going to have a, high, uh, a greater fantasy impact this season playing for the Chargers and, and maybe a, a clearer role to the starting job? Or, or am I missing the beat here and you think Gurley's the guy this year from a fantasy perspective? No, I agree with you on this one. Melvin Gordon's the guy that you want to target right now. You can get him as an all two. Listen, the price tag is going to be high. He's a third-round guy, but they like to run the ball in San Diego. They build that offense around running the football. Gordon comes into a situation where compete with Danny Woodhead and Bo Oliver. Yeah, right, not really. Gordon is projected to be a three-down back in the NFL. Not much pass catching ability, but Danny Woodhead does that. So I think a lot of the things that you see with his skill set dictates a guy that's worthy of a third-round draft pick in the fantasy league. So I think Melvin Gordon is the rookie running back if you want to target this upcoming season in redraft leagues. Maybe you like Gurley a little bit more in the dynasty format, but definitely in redraft mm-hmm. league, Melvin Gordon is the guy to get us the RB2. They're going to pay a good price, but he's going to have the opportunity. That's all we can really ask for as fantasy owners. Yeah, I agree. I see him almost I, – I can't say he's going to have Eddie Lacy-like numbers, but the opportunity is going to be there in an Eddie Lacy type of fashion – when he was a rookie in Green Bay, and we know how well he did in that situation. Now, Gurley, he's going to the Rams. He's the production now because we saw Bishop Shanky last year, and it looked like he had every opportunity in the world. And how did that play out? You know what I mean? We were left with egg on our face with that one. Yeah. Well, that was, I think, one of the most bizarre scenarios I've seen is the fact that (laughs) Sean Green was continuing to get carries. I mean – you and I and anybody else out there knew Sean Green has very little it left in him, yet they continued to run the ball to Green. They didn't really give Sankey many opportunities at all, and, and that bit a lot of people. You know, everybody's always looking for that next rookie running back phenom, the Eddie Lacy or who have you. And I mean, let's be honest, we all bit on Sankey last year, and that you're right, it cost a lot of people. Now, what about Gurley? Is that, you think, going to be a, a situation you got to monitor in the spring with Trey Mason? I mean, Mason wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible either down the stretch. He was useful in the right spots. You've got to figure Gurley's going to be the guy, but more, more of his touches are going to be cut into uh, than Gordon will, at least this rookie season. Yeah, Trey Mason was a guy that's running back that owners were targeting as a possible three-down back coming up for this upcoming season. You know Jeff Gordon likes to run the football, but now he has to sit out workload with the rookie Todd Gurley. Listen, Todd Gurley, for what it's worth, is a better player, a better prospect, projected to be a better NFL running back than Trey Mason does. But he's got to come in there and work and fight for this job. He's coming off of ACL. They're going to take his time with him. So, yeah, kind of the shining and luster has been moved up to Todd Gurley. He's a guy that was – Really, really get a lot of attention going into draft day. People thought that he might move to be a top five pick, maybe even a Jets pick. I believe the Jets were at six in this past in this past year's uh, um, excuse me in this past year's draft. Now the situation dictates what the situation what happens is it changes the entire dynamic 
of Todd Gurley in the 12-team league. Because now it's almost like you got to see what happens in training camp. Will we even see Gurley in training camp? How much work is he going to get coming off the ACL mm-hmm. So Gurley's going to be a real head scratcher come late August when people sit down and do their draft live or, you know, when you get ready to go hot to draft your, you know, your teams. Gurley's going to be a guy that's going to have some question marks around him. So, you know, we're going to have to talk to people in St. Louis, read through the newspapers, see what's going on on Twitter to find out what it's going to be. But right now in the redraft, Gurley is not looking like the player we thought he was going to be before the draft happened. Right. I agree. You know, dynasty format, it's obviously a different story. You mentioned that. But uh, Gordon, to me, is the guy. And there's a couple of other running backs who I think could be useful uh, drafting them potentially around the same time as as Gurley. You know, Abdullah uh, coming out of Nebraska, going to Detroit. Looks like he's going to be given every opportunity to, to have an impact this season. And Yeldon coming out of Alabama, going to Jacksonville. We know the problems they had running the ball last season. Uh, finally giving the ball to Denard Robinson, who had a nice little spurt there for a few games. But then he faded down the stretch. Um, any interest in these guys for as potential starters? Would you draft these guys um, late? Maybe they're not starting opening day, but by week four, week five, they're useful? Or are these uh, these rookies more waiver-wire type of guys in your view? No, I think um, I think Abdul is going to have an opportunity. I think what Abdul is, is he going to be able to stay healthy? He's had injury red flags throughout his career, but he's kind of back in the Detroit Lions like he catches football out of the backfield. He gets some work in the middle, in the middle, in the, in the middle of the field. Also, pick, collecting the trash, running through the tackles. Still got guys like Three Reddick and Joyce Bell there. Three headed monster. Also, situation mm-hmm. we got to watch to see how it shakes out in, in um, when training camp starts, because there is options there. Steel Reddick is a guy that can catch the football. Also, he liked Joyce Bell last year. Now Reggie Bush going to bring another back in to keep that situation going. So, no real good fantasy. You can't really tell where it's going to be with fantasy. No one you can lock in and concentrate on, but I do think Amir Abdullah has a good talent base of fantasy, able to catch the football, excellent there to the goal line. Injury concerns is a little red flag for him, but we'll see how it plays out in the training camp. The Jacksonville situation was interesting because Denard Robinson is healthy. He was the guy I was going to be on this year. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. even worried about what was that? What was that? Toby Gerhardt that got a nine dollar. Toby Gerhardt, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think we're done with him. But now you bring Yeldon in, who fits the system, a three down back. So once again, you got a situation you got to watch in training camp. If Yeldon can protect the passer, I think Yeldon will get a chance to go for it because it's so like Robson had last year and he still went and got Yeldon. So it basically becomes down to what Yeldon is willing to come in and work and do. But if Robinson could get in there and he looks good, he looked good in stretches last year. If his pass protection improves, he could be the guy. So in a situation that fantasy owners are going to have to watch when training camp starts. Yeah, I agree. Yeldon could surprise some people. You know, Robinson, he had a, a couple of weeks last week where he was lights out, and then he kind of faded down the stretch uh, really towards the tail end. So who knows how that's going to shake out. But Yeldon, I think, is somebody I'm going to target later in the draft if he's available. Uh, Corey, any interest at all in either of the first two picks? Again, dynasty-wise, I'd love to have Jameis Winston on my team. Uh, I think he's the better player than Mariota. However, this year, is there any reason at all to draft either of those two quarterbacks in your standard 12 team? Or are there 20 to 24 other NFL quarterbacks that you would rather own than trust your fantasy team with a rookie? Yeah, I don't really know. Marcus Mariota is not a guy that's really going to be on my board. He's way more wide apart, in my opinion. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how his career shakes out. He does have that athletic ability. 
that fantasy owners like, but still want to see some things from Mariota. Can he handle NFL offense? A lot of these guys come out to the spread. They had their up and down moments. Now, of course, with Winston, I think he's an RB two. Excuse me, he's a quarterback two for a fantasy league, and I think he does get drafted in you know in the mid to late rounds. One thing I like about Winston, he has excellent targets and a veteran in Vincent Jackson, a stud rookie in Mike Evans, who I love this upcoming season, a good-looking young tight end in uh, Austin Cesarian Jenkins, not to mention Dirk Cotter comes in from Atlanta to take over as the offensive coordinator in Tampa. What did Dirk Cotter have in Atlanta? He had Matt Ryan, he had Julio Jones, he had Roddy White, and he had the tight end of Tony Gonzalez. Almost the same system set up in Tampa Bay, Put Charles Sims in most likely to be a starting running back. I think James Winston can have a nice season if he comes in there, head on straight, get the playbook down, open line, give him some protection. Winston can make all the throws, and he got some Charlie to make it work. So, and the system fits him very well too. So, it's gonna be interesting to see. But I think James Winston is a guy that can flirt with a QB one in the fantasy league. Wow! All right, James Winston, potential QB one. Uh, you know, if you want to take a flyer on him late, go for it. As you back up, and, and who knows what you could get, but I agree. Yeah, you Terrific know what I mean? offense Same thing with RG3, you know what I mean? A couple of years ago, these guys, they get in there. When the offense fits them like a glove, like it does in this situation, why not? Right. Like, I would personally rather take a flyer on a Winston than at this point, uh, you know, let's say I draft Tony Romo as my number one quarterback, a legit fantasy number one. You're not going to worry about him really at all as long as he's healthy and his back is okay. Who would you ra- – I'd rather take a flyer on a guy like Winston as my backup potentially than maybe a uh, a Colin Kaepernick, who in my view I know what I'm going to get out of Kaepernick. I'm going to get hits and misses and a lot of frustration. You never know what you could get out of a Winston. And and who knows? He could develop into that uh, wide uh, quarterback one and have something real nice on your hands. No, I agree. And Winston's a guy that I'll be looking to get, to, to get late in, in the redraft leagues. As far as dynasty, if you're if a startup, of course you go from in a startup. If you're going to your rookie drafts right now, I don't know what the situation is, but next year is the quarterback year. Next year it's going to be like 85. It's a ton of good quarterbacks coming out next season. So in dynasty, I would be patient on quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm sitting in the uh, Sirius XM dynasty league, the, the 16, the 32 team league. A whole bunch of us are in. Oh, you're in that I'm one. I'm in the at... other one. I'm in the other uh, series that's in Dynasty. Um, that's, it's a regular 14-team not not that 32-team monster you guys are in. Yeah, I'm in the 32-team, but it's two separate drafts. It's two 16-team drafts, and uh, I'm sitting at number four. Yeah. And I'm uh, honestly, I'm hoping one of the running backs somehow slide to me. I could probably use Winston if he's there. But ideally, I get one of the running backs uh, at number four, Gurley or Gordon. Otherwise, I may have to go. I have in my rankings for that, Gordon one, Gurley two, uh, Winston three. And then one of the wide receivers at four, either Kevin White or Amari Cooper. That's where I would go at four, even though wide receiver is not necessarily a need for me on that team. Running back and quarterback is something I probably need more. Uh how would you agree with those rankings? Would you put those two running backs and then Winston at three in a dynasty type of league? Or with, the, with some of those wide receivers? And we've seen the success rookie wide receivers have had. I mean, last year was unbelievable with the rookie wide receivers, right? Off the charts. Do you see this crew of wide receivers, the Amari Coopers, Kevin Whites, Devontae Parkers, Brashad Perrymans, and all the others, 
Are we looking at a similar situation, you think, where the wide receivers are just going to come out and make an impact right away? I don't think this year's class is normally good as last year's class, but I do think we got some real good talent in this class. I think it's one true standout stud, and that's Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker is the guy that can take over in Miami. Listen, Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback, so trade with caution. But Devontae Parker has an excellent skill set. He was the best wide receiver in this draft. Amari Cooper was the safest uh, prospect, good with the playbook, learns, is, is, is excellent to be coached, excellent route runner, the type of wide receiver you need a franchise wide receiver. But Devontae Parker can really be something special. He gets in a situation with Atlanta. Now, Jarvis Landry is a target monster, and he is there already. But Devontae Parker mm-hmm. has a kind of upside to have a season like Mike Evans had last year. He's an excellent young football player. He's a guy that I would uh, actually rank above the rest of the wide receivers, depending on your format or what you want to do and how you want to build your team. I think Devontae Parker can make a splash right away. As far as Cooper and White, White is a player who went into a good situation. He's going to be starter outside Alshon Jeffrey and the system that's going to fit him pretty good. So I kind of like White also. Amari Cooper and David Carr, they'll hook up. I think that's going to be a nice tandem going down the road in the future, you know what I mean, for Donovan Leagues also. But I think Parker's a guy that can make an immediate impact. I think he could be a pro bowler. Wow. Wow. All right, Devontae Parker. Out of my, I mean, I like Tannenhill. I don't think he's terrible. I think – see, I, I think NFL quarterbacks, the young kids nowadays, they get a raw deal. Like a kid like Tannenhill, he was always given three or four years to develop. And, you know, people are critical for Tannenhill. He's going into what now? Year four, I believe. So, so this is a big year for him. I get that. But last year he wasn't terrible. He made some mistakes. Uh, I think with the right weapons around him, I think he could be good. I don't think he uh, – and, and maybe you're right. Maybe he has those weapons now. I like Jarvis Landry. I'm a big Jarvis Landry guy. He was a, a target machine down the stretch, excellent PPR. Devontae Parker – being a big play threat, he could be a nice addition there as well. Corey, any any surprises, uh, like under-the-radar type of guys? I know uh, the draft just happened. Training camp hasn't erupted yet. But is there anybody out there maybe we didn't talk about that you see as you're missing this guy, this is maybe a potential rookie to own? Well, I think um, the situation in Philadelphia with Nelson Aguilar, he's going into a system – where um, he can get a lot of – he should be able to rack up catches in the PPR. Now, when you look at him and Jordan Matthews, you don't know which one is going to be the preferred target, but that's the system. It's going to be enough to go around for everybody because they're not going to target one guy. That's not a superstar team. That's Chip Kelly's system. Chip Kelly is a superstar. Aguilar has an excellent skill set. I think he's a guy that can come out and make a big impact in fantasy this season right here. Uh, David Johnson going to Arizona. Andre Ellington was – semi-impressive last season, but he dealt with a foot injury just about the entire season long. I think David Johnson is going to get a chance to come in there and actually maybe even be a three-down running back in that situation. I think I don't think he's still in the mix, but I think David Johnson is a guy that's going to get a lot of calories this year, going to get a lot of looks, and it would cause a pummel back. If he can stabilize that offense, I think David Johnson, listen, he does it all. He can block with no problem, so I think he's a good guy to look at and target later on in drafts. Also, Kevin Coleman in Atlanta. I mean, Devontae Freeman is – he flashed at times last season, but for the most mm-hmm. part, he's not really what they need in that system. They need somebody that can get in there and be a three-down back. Coleman projects to be that coming out of uh, coming out of college. So, Coleman is a guy that owners can target late also, and you may even have a starting running back on your hand watching that situation in training camp. So, those are some of the guys I'm looking at. 
Um, you know, I like I like Green Beckham. You know, the quarterback is probably going to be Mariota, but the talent is real on Green Beckham. So a couple of the guys I'm looking at are some of those fellas right there, you know, that I'm interested in seeing what they do in training camp and see how they start the season. But I think this is going to be a year where rookies are being – if you're drafting 16 rounds, you may have two or three rookies on your team because um, people are going to be excited and there's so many committees with the running backs. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, even in Cleveland, uh, Duke Johnson coming out of Miami, he was a third-round selection as well. You know, you talk about these second- and third-round picks. I know a lot of people were high on the kid out of Boise State who went to the Dolphins in round five. Uh, Fifth-round pick, kind of tough to crack the rotation, but who knows what could happen. Um, one last player I want to ask you about, and I blasted this pick, and, and it, it's not even me being a Jets hater, uh, but Devin Smith in round two out of Ohio State to the Jets. Listen, I get it. The kid can go deep. He can run straight down the field and catch the ball. But he left Ohio State, I think his senior year, he had, what, about 30-something catches. Uh, I've seen this from the Jets before. I don't know. This screams bust to me. Uh, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Devin Smith going in the second round to the Jets? He's a guy that can pop the top on the defense that is his best asset. But who's going to throw the football? Yeah. You know, you get a, a player like this, you need that big arm accurate quarterback that's going to have time in the pocket and the confidence to deliver the ball accurately. Yes, Devin Smith is a project. Yeah. That's it. Hello? And when he gets – yeah, he's a project. Yeah, Devin Smith is a project. And when he does get his opportunity, what's his NFL upside? What, Mike Wallace? Right, right. And and the truth is he's not going to have much playing time this year, really, with Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall. Uh, you know those guys are going to be on the field. Uh, you know, you need uh, – when it's third and 18, maybe you'll see Devin Smith running down the sideline hoping to catch a pass. But uh, I was surprised by that pick. I'm not high on it. And I thought the Jets had a decent draft, actually. But uh, I wasn't crazy about that pick. But, uh, Corey, where can people follow you on Twitter, my friend? Oh, the Scott Engel question. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, at the Fantasy Exec. Um, you know, check check us out every morning. Hit us up, you know what I mean? Give us a call. Fantasy Football Talk will be starting up. We're just about in a hybrid mode right now, helping you win your baseball championship, getting you ready to draft your football team. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So, yep, give me a follow on Twitter, at the Fantasy Exec. And, um, you know, I'm always down for a DFS contest or a season-long league in football, whatever the case may be. I love to get out there and play. So, you know, it is what it is, Anthony, and, and we and we got a Met Yankee game. We got to get to at some point this year too. I, I I owe you a Met Yankee game. I'm well aware of that. I've been sitting here for the last half hour waiting for that question to come up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, good stuff. We'll play a little daily, daily fantasy football against each other in the fall as well. Looking forward to that. And Corey, thanks a lot for spending some time with me tonight. I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks a lot for having me, brother. We'll talk soon. All right, definitely, Corey. Be well. Corey Parson, the fantasy exec. Uh, you hear him every morning, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, the Roto Baller show, uh, Roto Baller, the uh, Roto Experts show, Scott Angle, Scott, Adam Ronis, Greg Sussman, and Corey Parson, good friend of mine. And he's right. I owe him a Met Yankee game. Series tied 1-1, game three this season. I put a game on the line, and I lost. The Mets let me down. So, uh, Corey's, uh, hasn't forgotten, unfortunately, I guess I'm treating him to a ball game this year, but, uh, for those who forgot, this is the Anthony Aniano fantasy sports show. And, and we're not done with the guests. 
Corey covered the fantasy football with me, and I'd like to welcome back to the show the man, the myth, the legend, the icon. He's back with us, my friend, and uh, excited to have him back, Mr. Paul Collins. Paul, my friend, my colleague, welcome back. It's been a while. How you doing, my friend? What's going on, Tony? Paul, you sound like you like I woke you up to come on the show tonight. Everything all no, right? My no, no, I call, I call in, and the first thing I hear is Dev is the boss. Before the guy, what? Are you cut up? The first thing I hear is that Devin Smith's a bust. I didn't say he's a bust. I'm saying the pick surprised me. He has the potential. Who is the other? Who's who is the wide receiver they just released at the end of, at the beginning of last season that we kept waiting uh, Stephen for? Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill. Yes. It's a skill set similar to Stephen Hill. Not a lot of catches out of college. Very good running straight down the field. Not much of a possession guy. And like Corey said, who's going to get him the ball? Yeah, well, you know, what? Uh, one thing that wasn't highlighted is there's no pressure on him right now. There's none whatsoever. The guy's got to be able to learn the game the right way. No pressure to be a second receiver right away like Stephen Hill was. This guy's looking mm-hmm. to be the fourth receiver this year. But the guy has the physical, att- physical attributes to be a good receiver. We don't have a burner. He's our only. He's our burner right now, but right. You know, if the other guys are doing a good job, they're going to have to double up on those guys. Might leave this guy open for a, for one or two good ones this year. Yeah, I'm not saying hey, listen, he's a, a thousand yard guy this year, but the weapons they yeah, have maybe, this year like, well, like, two years ago are ridiculous. Well, that's very true. And listen, I mean, I you know me, I love to I love to bust your chops about the Jets, but. I do root for them, and they are, if they get any type of quarterback play at all, they're a significantly better team. Significant, oh, not, I mean, not even night and day. I mean, the addition of Brandon Marshall for essentially a bag of balls, probably Tom, flated, right. Tom Brady deflated balls. Uh, the running back situation, you have at least added with Ridley and Zach Stacy bodies to compete with Chris Ivory. We know the defense is just going to be off the charts, to me, the number one defense in any fantasy football draft. Uh, I'll put them I, over the I, I Seahawks this year. I don't think any quarterback should be looking at that uh, defensive line and not be scared. Well, you, you, well the problem is ridiculous. You, you look at the defensive line, and then you're going to look at that secondary, and you're going to hope somebody gets open somewhere. Uh, the, the, I honestly see the New York Jets – in a lot of thirteen to ten ball games, I really do. Oh, absolutely. And you just absolutely. And you just hope Geno Smith or Ryan Fitzpatrick could get him at least to thirteen, and you hope like heck they hit on this kid Petty in the fourth round out of Baylor. Because if they hit right. on him, this team is this team could be on his way. Well, well the but Paul, let's really get to the second. The, the pick I'm really high is that third rounder from Louisville, that linebacker. Yeah. They said he fits Bowles' system perfectly. So, well, I mean, as Jeff and we live by hope all the time. <laughs> but, uh, Paul, let's talk a little fantasy baseball uh, like we used to do. And just some injury updates real quick that I need to run through. And then I've got a couple of questions for you. You know, David Wright still on the DL. He's not playing the back still. Now his back is bothering him. Yeah, Seal Puig, one of your all-time favorites, suffered a setback. He's going to be out a few more weeks with the hamstring. Jose Reyes, who's been out with the fractured rim, he's taking batting practice. He may go on a rehab assignment soon. Will Myers is day-to-day. 
Starting pitcher Drew Smiley of the Rays out for the season, torn labrum in his shoulder. Steve Ciszek out uh, in the closer role. He's not even being given the uh, eighth inning role. He's being dropped down to the middle of the bullpen. AJ, they're saying it's a committee, but then uh, the Marlins manager comes out and says, it's a committee, but I'm leaning towards AJ Ramos, the, the eighth inning guy, who's been very, very good. 21 strikeouts in 17 innings, a whip on the one. He does have a few walks. Walk rate's about two per nine innings, so you've got to be concerned about A.J. Ramos. Um, but he's, it looks like, going to be given the first crack to close games down in Miami. Uh, so if you need a closer or you need a bullpen arm or if you're a C-Shack owner and you're desperate, A.J. Ramos is the guy to add if he's available. And I know, Paul, you were a C-Shack owner in the league wearing together, and uh, you did dump him. Uh, uh, twice, I think, this year. Brett, you dropped him. Picked, picked up Brett Cecil for him. Brett Cecil was the closer from... T- yeah, Toronto. trying... Um, you know, you your team in that league, let me tell you, I don't know if that was the plan, but the the league we're in together, you have built a juggernaut of a pitching staff. Uh, uh, protect- think, about, think about all the guys you just mentioned. Five of those six guys you just mentioned, I have on, on one team. Puig? Injury guys. Puig? Really? Right, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you said C-Sheck. I, had, Dave, I right. had David Wright in another league. The only guy I didn't have was Drew Smiley. There you go. That's, That's tough. That's tough. That's snake pit. Uh, yeah. Your pitching's been ter- tremendous. Your offense has been abysmal. Um, yeah, well, I'm trying to work out a trade with you, but you don't seem to want to budge on any of that. Well, um, well when, you look at, when you look at when you look at my team, my first two picks were Cano and Posey. My first two offensive picks. Can't do anything yeah. those guys aren't hitting. You know? Right. Yeah, and, but, and what also has hurt you is you, you came into the league with Mezzarocco as one of your uh, dynasty players, as one of your keeper players. And, and Puig. What the Reds are, yeah, and Puig. And what the Reds are doing with Mezzarocco is just brutal. Reports are he's going to need hip surgery at some point. But the Reds don't want to DL him because he's their best pinch hitter. And, and right. that's what Mezzarosco's uh, been relegated to is a pinch hitter. I'm not saying Mezzarosco is droppable, but you tell me in it's June close. 1st, he's still not able to catch. And in it's his standard, I'm not talking keep. Droppable. It is close. close. Because uh, when you, if you have a team like mine that has injuries boatload, I need, I need roster spots. And, yes, yes, if I have to drop this guy, somebody might pick him up and they might get lucky. But I need roster spots. And right now, Mezzarocco is hitting 143 with two runs and two RBIs for the year. And he's not even playing. Right. He's pinch, he's pinch hitting three times or four times a week. That's all he's doing. Yeah. That's all so, he's yeah, doing. I, it, when I have Puig and Reyes on my DL, and I have no more spots on my DL, you know, well, I have one more spot on my DL, but – I need him to go on the DL so I can put somebody in who's going to play more often. At least on yeah, my bench, yeah. I can at least have the option of putting in. Yeah, right. He's just yeah. he's just taking up a bench spot. I, I agree. Okay. I wouldn't drop him yet. But you tell me on June first, he's still not catching and playing every day. To me, I'm done. I would be done with him as well, regardless of keeper or or, or oh, dynasty. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah you know, because no, I tell no. people this all the time. You and I argue about it, and it was funny. I was on. I did a spot Monday night on another show, and somebody asked about a keeper question, and I said, "Pal, it's May. It's May. Play to win this year. 
You know, we right. say it all the time, you and I joking around. You could step outside, get hit by a bus. Congratulations. You're going to your grave with all your keepers. I'd rather go to my grave with the trophy. But, yeah, um, exactly. But, you know, I wanted to talk, though, particularly with you, because anybody who remembers us through the years on the show, uh, you're as big a Cincinnati Red fan as I'm a New York Mets fan, so I'll come to you with my Red questions. But I'm going to throw a couple of players at you. And I want your honest assessment of what to do fantasy-wise with these guys. And the first one has to be Billy Hamilton. Um, you and I have butted heads on him. You've had high hopes for him. But, you know, unfortunately, here it is now. The numbers on Billy Hamilton don't lie this season, right? He's batting 202. He's got a 259 on-base percentage. His walk rate is only 7%. His strikeout rate is 18%. And he's got a batting average on balls in play of only 235. So essentially, every time he hits the ball, it's only a hit 24% of the time. He's got you 17 steals. Congratulations. 17 steals. Billy Hamilton. Categories down. Is he? Let me. This is what I'm going to ask you. Is he ownable? Is he on your bench? I, I don't think he's startable, and I think you agree with me. But is he on your bench, or you is he in a standard 12-team? Again, I'm not worried about keepers. Is he ownable, or is he at this point, is he droppable because you could find steals elsewhere? He's, he's ownable if you have the space, droppable if you need the spot. Really? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, because that, what's that 202 batting average doing for you? You know, when, mm-hmm. when, in, in the three leagues I'm in, I go and I look at the players that are available. There seems to be something that has changed in baseball over the last few years. Three or four years ago, you could always find a guy to get in. We're in a 10-team league, not a big league. There are teams together. But if you go look at the stats of the guys available, there's really not a lot available either. No, I know. there's There's nothing there that you can go, well, at least I can get this guy. You're, most of the time, you're fishing for somebody. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you do it, too. Okay, this guy's in the hot for the last 10 days. Maybe I'll pick him up and try to get him in for a week while he stays hot. Right. You know what I mean? But there's no, there's nobody in – I'm in a 19 league, a 19 rotisserie league. I can't find anybody. Can't <laughs> find a soul. Like, who's that in 260? You, you know you what I mean? You could probably find the pitcher, though. Yeah, with pitches, I, pitches you can do okay with, but hitters. Yeah, this, this is this is we've gone the polar opposite of where we were in the mid two thousands. Oh, the well, polar. Opposite. I wonder why. I think I think we all yeah. know the answer to that, my friend. Uh, but um, the pitches, you know, are, even the pitches are do the pitches nutrition has gotten that much better. That's right. <laughs> you know what, Paul? You know it's funny. I've become a big fan of uh, the website Fangraphs dot com. And mm-hmm. their extended stats are, are outrageous. And, you know, I, I look at Billy Hamilton, right? Billy Hamilton's best two seasons in the minor leagues, right? 2012 was really his best season in the minors overall was 2012. That was the year he stole all those bases. Right. He yeah. stole 150 bases. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. It was between A ball and double A. He was walking. He had a walk rate of about 15%. He still struck out about 18%, 19%, okay? Oh, he's a swinger. But he, he, 
he he walked about eight, about fifteen percent of the time, and he had a batting average in balls in play of about three eighty, both pretty good numbers. Yes. After that season, two thousand thirteen, his his walk rate dropped from about like I said sixteen seventeen percent to seven percent. Then in 2014, last year, his walk rate was only 5.5%. So far this year, it's 7%. He had one magical season down in the minors that got everybody excited, Reds fans and fantasy baseball fans, right? We all started salivating. And what helped was a terrific walk rate, which led to an on-base percentage of over 400. Since he's been in AAA and now the major leagues, he's not walking. He doesn't get base hits. He doesn't bunt enough. I mean, I I agree. To me, if there's somebody out there, like, tell me right now who would you rather have for steals, D. Gordon or Billy Hamilton? And you and I argued this last year quite a bit, but it, I, I don't even think it's close anymore. At least D. Gordon consistently puts the bat on the ball and gets base hits to go with his to go with the stolen bases, a few less steals, but he's carrying a 300-something, over 400 batting average. We know that one last, but you get the point. Um, well, Billy Hamilton, Paul, let's be honest, he's becoming a huge bust. Oh, absolutely. Ridiculous, ridiculous bust. And, like, I was very patient with him last year. And during those discussions we had, I said, you know what? It's first time through the league. Let's see, let's see how he does next year. Let's see how he adjusts. There's no adjustment whatsoever. None mm-hmm. whatsoever. In fact, his stats last year at this time were better than what they are right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Last year, you were able to defend Billy Hamilton. This year, you can't. Last year at this time, he was batting 265, 270. And he flirted with almost 285 at one point last year before he swan-dived in August. Right. You know, right. Which, which, did, which didn't shock me. It shocked me the amount. But I expected him to go down in August because most of the rookies hit a wall come mm-hmm. August. And I, that did not shock me. But, he, but right now, at this time last year, I would say he had – just so he, we were arguing if the 305 on base percentage was any good for a leadoff hitter, because that's what his on base for average um, base percentage was last year around this time. And now when you look right. at his on base average, and it's 259. God, I'd love a 305 on base average right now. <laughs> yeah, last year he ended at you know, 292. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, most people right. last year said, "Give me 320 out of Billy Hamilton, and I can live with it." Uh, Absolutely. 259. I mean, just absolutely. Just, just he's, terrible. He's got, uh, he's got the most of the bats on the team, too. So it's not like yeah. Well, they got to run him out there. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Do you think they give up on him in Cincinnati at some point? Does he go back to the minors? Um. Hello. Um. Uh, it depends on um where they are. You know, where who are they going to put in for him? Is my question. Right. They don't. Their, their main minor leaguers are pitchers right now. They they have two guys coming up. Their names escape me at the minute, but they have two guys coming up um, who I believe are a double A. Right. One um one I I can't think of the I'm looking at for his name right now. They only have two hitting prospects. The rest are all. They're all know. pitching. Exactly. Well, it's going to be interesting what they do this year, though, too. Um, the truth is, and I'm not bashing the team, but they're not a contending team this year. But they do have no. some ships that they could potentially move. Um, Zach Cozart it was a perfect fit for the Mets. Um, you know, Brandon Phillips can help a few teams, even though he's kind of on his last legs. If somebody needs power, they might be interested. And I mean might. 
be interested in Jay Bruce. Uh, obviously, if they decide to move Johnny Suedo, if they can't re-sign him, they'll get a haul for him. So yeah, they uh, they've got pieces. They're going to get a haul of minor leaguers. Oh, it's a clear That's rebuild. Yeah, yeah, it's a clear to, rebuild. It's a It's okay. We're going, you know, and I'm I'm looking. It's six out of their eight top prospects are pitchers. Are all pitchers? So, so yeah. you know, I I they they have pieces though. If they decide to totally rebuild, uh, like the Mets did a few years ago when they moved Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler, when they moved Dickey for Syndergaard and Darno, if the Reds fans are patient, they have pieces who could bring them guys who in a few years could bring the Reds back to contention. Paul, yeah, I want to move on, though, to that. another Red. I want to move on to another Red, and I just mentioned his name, and that's Jay Bruce. He came Jay off Bruce. a disappointing, se- <laughs> disappointing <laughs> season last year. A lot of people thought he would kind of rebound this year, and the truth is he hasn't. Five homers, 16 RBIs, a 173 batting average coming into today, an on-base percentage of 281, and some really astounding numbers. Uh, he's striking out 28% of the time, which is the highest of his professional career. Last year, he's 27% of the time. He's only hitting 200 on batting average and balls in play. Um, just abysmal stuff. And this is coming off a year where he hit 217 last season. Long are the days of 2011, 2012, 2013, when he hit 30 homers, drove in over 90 or 100 runs, and gave you a respectable 250 or 260. Um, are those days gone for Jay Bruce? Uh, like, is Jay Bruce somebody, if somebody owned Jay Bruce in your fantasy league, would you try to trade for him on the cheap and expect a rebound out of him? Or is he, you're not even going near him, not touching Jay Bruce? How can you, t- how can you try to touch somebody who has less than a 175 average? There's <laughs> no reason to touch somebody who, who who's not... He, who seems to have gone to the Adam Dunn school of uh, hitting all such over the last two years. You know, mm-hmm. talking about that great red who struck out more than he freaking took a leak probably. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, I, so he's, he, he puzzles me because last year at the end of the year, because I read all the Cincinnati blogs, read all the articles, you know, he, he, had, he had had knee or hip problems last year. And they were blaming mm-hmm. a lot of it on that. But what, you know, what are we blaming on? What are you blaming yeah. it on this year? Bl- oh, I almost called him Adam. <laughs> I'm just so used to watching a guy strike out <laughs> in that great cold Adam Dunn. What are we, what are you we blaming on Jay? this year, Jay? You know? Yeah, it's there, not like, there you go. listen, you can't even say the guy in front of him is not hitting. Joey Votto's having a good year. Yeah, Joey you know? Votto's batting about 300. He's showing some power. Um, yep. And his on-base percentage is over 400. Votto's back to being Votto as long as his legs stay healthy, and that's what bothered him last year. You got nice value in Votto. Paul, the last player I wanted to talk about from the Reds before we go to uh, some two-star pitches I want to throw you away is Todd Frazier. Now, I know you're a big Frazier guy, right? And his power numbers this year are spot on. He's got 11 homers, 21 RBIs. He's stolen four bases. His walk rate is actually up almost 11%. That's the highest it's ever been since he's been a pro. Strikeout rate is down from years past. Under uh, eight, it's down about 18%. Whereas the past couple of years it was over 20. Uh, his bat, his batting average in balls and play is low. Now here's my concern, and I'm going to throw batting average at you for the last four years. And I feel like Todd, uh, Todd Frazier batting average wise is like a roller coaster, right? 
2012, his rookie year, he hit 19 homers. He batted 270. 2013, he hit 19 homers. He batted 230. Last season, breakout year, right? 29 homers, batted 273 again. So he went 273, 234, 273, and now he's back to 236. What mm-hmm. batting average, in your view, is – what's the real Todd Frazier? I'm not doubting the power. He's going to hit 20 homers. He's going to come in 15 to 20 steals. I'm not worried about that. Batting average-wise, what's the real Todd Frazier? Is he a 230 hitter or is he a 270 I, I, hitter? Or I, can, I, he, I think can he at least I be a consistent just, 250? No, here's the thing. I'm looking at, the, I'm looking at their lineup right now. And um, I, think, I think Frazier is a 260-270 hitter. Here's the problem. He's a 260, 270 hitter. When you got guys who are batting over 225, be- uh, who are batting over 225 below him, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you got Hamilton, Cozart, who's having a nice season. You got Bado batting 308 right now after two hits tonight. You've got Frazier batting 240. And between Bado and Frazier, their backs must be killing them carrying this offense. Without them, there is no offense on this team whatsoever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Behind Frazier, you've got Marlon Bird batting 214. And that's up about 20 points in the last week. Yeah. And then below him, you got Jay Bruce batting 170 going over two tonight. Yeah. So, well, that's what he always does. You, you, what? I said what that's what that? he always does. Yeah. But now when you think about it, how many bad pitches does Todd Frazier have to try to swing at because he can't trust the guys below him to do anything if he tries to walk? Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So now he's got to really stretch himself. He's got to really expand his strike zone to try to put anything in play because he's looking below him like, yeah, my 240 average is sparkling compared to these two morons. (laughs) So when you look at it that way, yeah, his average is low because he's probably trying to do too much. Right, right. I don't know if that makes sense. Fair enough. No, it does make sense. It does make sense. He has to expand the strike zone, something Joey Votto refuses to do. Todd Frazier's willing to do. He's willing to expand the strike zone a bit. Batting average takes a hit. Power numbers are good. I'm still, I mean, he's still in a number one third baseman. There's no doubt about it, just for the power numbers. But uh, the and batting he, average is a concern just because we've seen it go up and down throughout his career. And to be honest with you, I think Votto's done a much better job this year. He does have 21 walks in the year. But the games I watched watch now... He's swinging a lot more than he has in the past few years. He is definitely mm-hmm. swinging a lot more. And when we look at okay. when we look at Todd Frazier's two two forty batting average, his on base percentage is over three thirty. So right, yeah, no, he's you know, well, like I said, he's walking more than he ever has, so he is getting on base, which is uh, which is good to see. All right, Paul, we right. only got a few minutes left here, um, like we always did in the past, and like I always still do. Some two-start pitches. I'm going to throw the name at you. I'm going to throw the opposition at you. Maybe throw some stats at you. Um, there's some guys who are no-brainers, and we're going to breeze through them real quick. This is for next week, week seven of the fantasy baseball season. Uh, Matt Harvey, Sonny Gray, Cole Hamels, James Shield, Michael Walker, Corey Sale, even though he's been struggling, I'm putting him out there next week for two starts just because he's Corey Sale. Uh, Chris Sale. Corey Sale. Paul. Chris Sale or- well, below him is Corey Kluber, so I was like, which one are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I was reading both <laughs> names at once there. Um, well, that's the next name up. Corey Kluber, he's got two starts at the White Sox and home versus the Reds. In, in his last three games, 
Corey Kluber is 0-3 with a 6.88 ERA. Okay, he does have 15 strikeouts in 17 innings. This is the this is the reigning American League Cy Young. We shouldn't be saying, are we starting him in a two-start week? I would start him because I probably drafted him as my ace. What would you do? I would start him because the two offenses he's going on against are anemic. Yeah. You know, the White Sox offense is nothing to, cr- to crow about. And we just talked about the Reds' lack of offense at nauseum. Yeah. So, you know, I'd definitely go Corey Kluber next week. And and I think I'm going to have a good week. Yeah, Unless so do I. I think that, that might be the week he finally rebounds. Right. Um, Anibal Sanchez, two starts, uh, going against Milwaukee, going against the potent Houston Astros lineup. Anibal Sanchez, last three games, one and two, four, eight, seven, ERA, 12 Ks in 20 innings. Um, Sanchez hasn't been great. Milwaukee doesn't scare me. Houston does a little bit. I'd probably roll with Anibal Sanchez. You? Yeah, I'm going to roll with him. He's, he's had a couple, a couple of tough starts, but I like, I like his team. I like who he's – you know what? How can I say I like he's going up against Houston? They're one of the best teams in baseball right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, I'd um, roll with him. What about one of your Cincinnati Reds? Anthony Desclafani. I actually have stock of him in a few leagues. Although his last couple of games, he's come back to earth. He's only been going about five innings to start lately. Last three games, he's 0-2, 16 innings pitched, 11 Ks, 12 walks, 5-6-3 ERA. He's on the road twice against Kansas City and against Cleveland. I'm staying away from Desclafani I'm, next week in a yeah, two-star week. I'm definitely, staying, I'm definitely staying away from him. I'm, okay. I'm not crazy about him the next week. You know, Aaron Horan. <laughs> My boy. Yeah, we still talk about it on this show. Your prediction for Aaron Harang last year lives on. Aaron Harang hasn't been bad. On. It was. Um, one and two, three seven nine ERA over his last three. Only three walks in his last 19 innings, 10 strikeouts. On the road at Colorado, on the road at Washington. He's playing for a terrible Philadelphia team. Aaron Harang worth starting? He would be sitting on my bench if I had him. At Colorado, at Washington. You know, Bryce Harper might hit five home runs off him in two at-bats. <laughs> Paul, what about Tim Lincecum? He's, He's been, been nice very lately. good. He has. Last three games, two and one, ERA of two, 14 Ks in 18 innings. He's home against the Dodgers on the road at Colorado. I, I think you got to roll with Lincecum the way he's been pitching. I, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I, I like him. Um one thing I read that he's been changing is the the pitching motion is still the same, but from what I've read from San Francisco, he's become a lot more smart with his pitches. He's not going with that overpowering stuff. He's become a better location guy all of a sudden. So you know, all, hopefully, a all lot of times when the guys points. lose when the guys lose the power, if they if they adapt, they do okay. Yep. Um, some other guys who have some two stop weeks. You have Jimmy Nelson of Milwaukee, Mike Fiers of Milwaukee as well, Ruby De La Rosa of Arizona, uh, Jonathan Neese of the Mets. I would roll him out there next week against St. Louis and Pitt. Jonathan Neese, one and two, two three seven ERA over his last three. Um, there isn't really a Met pitcher I wouldn't start at this point. They've been that good. Even Syndergaard last night, although the final line didn't look great, he was very good early on until uh, uh, Daniel Murphy vapor locked at third base. And let yeah, a guy nice. beat out a ground ball there, um, you know. But other than that, you know, I'd be uh, I'd be rolling with pretty much every one of the Met pitchers. 
Yep. But, uh, Paul, I hate to do this, but it's 830 already, my friend, and we are out of time. Um, that half hour goes quick. But I do want to extend the invitation to you if you're available next Wednesday. I figure I ask it over the air. That way I put you on the spot. Well, uh, well, you let me know. Wednesday, Wednesdays are tough because tonight I had to watch my son play baseball. Fantasy-wise, he went two for three with a single nice. RBI, RBI triple and run scored. So I mean, that's better than the Mets middle infield. I'm thinking the Reds might have him replace Jay Bruce pretty soon. <laughs> Strike zone's a little smaller. Well, he might walk a little bit more. Well, listen, this is what you let me know. If there's a if, – if maybe if a Thursday is potentially better to you, we can yeah. always tape the show on a Thursday night. Uh, I'd love to have you come through the studio one night next week, and we'll do a whole hour together if you're available. So, uh, so shoot me a message. Let me know. We'll reunite the band for one week, and, uh, and and we'll put on a nice little show. If you, if you give me a night and a time, that'll work for you next week. I will definitely give you a call. All right, awesome. Paul, thanks for popping on with us. It was always fun it's fun talking baseball with you again, my friend. It's been a while. And uh, you let me know what your status is for next week, and uh, we'll see if we can work it out. All right, buddy? Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks. Paul Collins, everybody. Uh, friend, colleague, my longtime co-host. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show tonight here on Blog Talk Radio, either live or on demand, or if you listen to us on iTunes. You can also find the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show on Dynasty Sports Empire's podcast channel. do appreciate them uh, linking us up as well. Don't forget, follow me on Facebook at Anthony Aniano, Twitter at A Aniano Fantasy. And don't forget to tune in to me again in about one hour at 9.30 Eastern time on Rotoballer Fantasy Sports Radio as I'm joined, uh, with, uh, with, uh, joined by Real Talk Raph uh, from rotoballer.com. Uh, proud to be a member of that site. And uh, we'll be talking fantasy baseball from 9.30 to 10.30 right here on Blog Talk Radio as well. Thanks to Corey Parsons for joining me for the first half hour and Paul Collins for the second half hour. It's been a lot of fun. Tune in every Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern time. And uh, we'll fill you in on all the latest. So hopefully you enjoyed the show, and we'll see everybody again next Wednesday night. Have a great week, everybody, and good night. Mm-hmm.